am part of the las vegas sports network krlv las vegas broadcasting live from the finley cadillac performance studio this is unnecessary roughness roughness you got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, 15 days away from the start of the 2023 NFL Draft taking place in Kansas City. Very excited about that coming up. Sooner rather than later, we'll be talking about new additions to the Raiders team and the Raiders roster as opposed to who could potentially be new additions. Who's the new corner? Who's the new defensive tackle? Who's the new quarterback? Who's this, that, and the other? All of that will be answered sooner rather than later, and it all gets started in 15 days. Welcome into Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Demon Cotton and your boy Q live in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Plenty to get to on today's show. Already had a very busy morning. Was really uh, entertained earlier today as I was on another pre-draft conference call with Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN. A good hour and a half long, hour and a half strong. Lots of good stuff to bring to you to the table over the next few days. Obviously, it's not a lot of stuff that we'll get to just on today's show, but again, over the course of the next few days, maybe maybe even into next week, but uh, lots of good stuff, a lot of good breakdowns as Mel kind of took into consideration what's gone on so far uh, all through the whole draft process when it comes to the combine, the pro days, what teams have done in free agency, what he's hearing about stocks going up, down, and again, at the end of the day, it is all draft season, so you know that there's some parts of the truth sprinkled into some parts of lies, and then all of a sudden you have, you know, you have the final results. And so uh, we'll know the final results, as I mentioned, sooner rather than later. But uh, really good conversations and really good breakdowns from Mel earlier this morning. So uh, we'll bring to some of that to you uh, on the show this afternoon here on Unnecessary Roughness. Speaking of the show this afternoon, got a lot of good guests to get to as we do pretty much on the daily Starting us off at 2.30, Emory Hunt, football game plan, CBS Sports. Uh, he's the czar, the czar of the football game plan, does a really good job. We had him on last year around this time of the year talking about uh, all kind of different draft prospects and also guys flying under the radar. And that's something that I don't want to uh, – I, I don't want to go away from that. I want to make sure that we talk about guys flying under the radar. It's easy to come in every single day and talk about Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and we're going to do that. You know, Jalen Carter, who's visiting with the Raiders today, you know, he's not taking any visits outside of the top 10, but he's in Vegas today because, well, the Raiders have a top seven pick. So uh, why wouldn't they, right? And that's going to have to be a consideration. That's a player that, uh, as Vinny pointed out, Vinny Bonsignor put out a really good piece on the RJ that he's in town visiting with the Raiders, and he's everything that they need at that position. He's everything that they've needed that position for a very long time. They've got to decide if, if he's right for them, if he's there available at number seven, but he's visiting with the silver and black. They've had many players come in to the facility and they'll have many more players come into the facility before it's all said and done. And again, 15 days from now, it'll be done with the speculation and we can start talking about what happened. I can't wait till Friday morning, right after the draft, after the first round is over and we can actually talk about what happened in the first round. And I'm going to go out on the limb right now on April 12th. And this is not one of those like hot take moments or anything like that, where you have to sound any kind of, uh, you know, buzzer or anything. And I know Demond, you probably got all the sound effects in there. No, we don't need all that, man. Uh, it, it ain't one of those shows, right? I just have, uh, and I always go with my gut feeling. I have a gut feeling the Raiders are going to make a move 
They're gonna be they're gonna pick at number seven, but I also have an idea. I feel like, just gut feeling, that they're gonna make a move to the back end of that first round and pick up another player. Just gut feeling tells me that. That uh, that comes from nowhere. I just know that they have 12 draft picks. I know they don't need 12 draft picks, and they have a potential and opportunity to get some some big-time player, some difference maker in the back end of the first round. And if you remember last year with the draft in the first round, there was a lot of moving and shaking towards, you know, round 20 all the way to 32. I have a feeling in that range we're going to see some moving and shaking as well. And I think with the Raiders and all the capital that they have, they'll be one of the teams to make a move. I have a good feeling that you've probably thought about this, so I know we like to play GM. What would you give up to get into the back of the first, first uh, round? I think that you – well, they have five picks in the top 109, right? They have five picks. So I think that you can move a couple of those those picks. Obviously, your second-round pick you're giving up, um, you know, and, and – Maybe you're giving up the pick, you know, number 100 as well that you got with uh, the Darren Waller trade. And maybe you have to give up a little bit more depending on who the player is and how high you're going. But if you're going towards the back end of, you know, round one, like round 27, 28, it might not have to be a whole lot that you have to give up. You know, I don't know the exact chart. We actually have a guy that I have scheduled to to be on the show next week that is really good and, and kind of rewrote the chart when it comes to draft capital breakdown, which you would have to give up to move to certain places, like what the Raiders have to go from seven to three or what they'd have to give up to go from, you know, where they are positioned in round two to the back end of round one. He actually has another chart. It's not quite the draft Bible that like the Jimmy Johnson chart that everyone kind of goes off of. It's an updated one. So we're actually going to have him on uh, next week talking about that. So I'm pretty excited about that conversation because I think that's something that Raider Nation should know about before they head into the draft, right? Before uh, we start talking about what they can do and what they won't do, kind of want to have a good idea of what they could potentially do. So uh, that'll come up next week. But I just, I don't know. Again, it's just a gut feeling. I haven't heard this from anyone. I just feel like that there's an opportunity that they can go get an impact player like on defense and potentially a guy like a Hendon Hooker in the background of, of, of round one. Or, and this would be my dream scenario, it's just me. I would love to see like a Devin Witherspoon or a Christian Gonzalez at seven, and then see Emmanuel Forbes at the back end of round one. Uh, that would be that would be that would be me, right? That would be ideal for me. And, and again, I'm just I'm just spitballing, right? Because we're 15 days out, and why not, <laughs> right? I mean, that's all we're gonna do for 15 days is spitball and, and try to come up with what a dream scenario could be or what it could look like and how it could impact. Of the Raiders as a as a team, especially on the defensive side of things, because we all know that that's where it really needs to be addressed. So, Emory Hunt football game plan. Uh, he'll join us at two thirty to talk under the radar guys and just uh, give us some breakdowns. Then I'm excited about this guest coming up at three o'clock. A guy that you see uh, all the time uh, on Twitter, uh, Tristan Kuhn, NFL draft kind of guru. Break it down from the Right Way Sports Network (TWSN). You can find him on Twitter at Kuhn Tristan. Uh, does a really good job breaking down players. Has a lot of evaluations that he writes on players that he thinks fits with the silver and black. Has a lot of conversations on Twitter about uh, the Raiders and so I wanted to wanted to have him on just to kind of pick his brain and see where he's at right now when he thinks uh, or what he thinks about the Raiders and the way that they're they're putting the roster together so far with Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly and and Josh McDaniels has been able to do and how they move forward in what they're able to do. So not only are we going to talk draft, but we'll also talk about the current team, what it looks like, Jimmy G, you know, the way that the Raiders have put the roster together this offseason. So Tristan Kuhn will join us 
coming up at 3 o'clock. Then Ted Wynn from The Athletic joins us at 3.30, and he put out a piece on Hendon Hooker. And uh, this is going to be a day that Hardcore Raider is really going to like because Hardcore Raider talks about Hendon Hooker quite a bit, which is fine. That's his guy, right? Like Emmanuel Forbes is my guy. Uh, you know, Hendon Hooker is Hardcore Raiders guy, so he's definitely going to appreciate a day like today. But Ted put out a piece in The Athletic this morning that said why Hendon Hooker is one of the most difficult quarterbacks to evaluate in 2023's NFL draft. So that is... Is, uh, is a really good conversation. There's multiple reasons that Ted is talking about how hard it is to evaluate him. One, obviously, is his age. Um, I don't really get hung up on the age too much, not at all. Uh, another one's coming off the ACL surgery, something else I don't get hung up on too much because, well, I mean, a lot of guys have ACL surgeries and they come back and they're just fine. And then the third and what's most important to me is the offense that he came out of coming out of Tennessee. And it's funny, I, br- I bring it up all the time. The Bryles offense, the basketball on grass when he was at Baylor, and you know it was one of those that never translated to the to the NFL. In Ted's piece, as I was reading it, he references the Baylor offense and and says the exact same thing that I said. So uh, it's funny. He says Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel runs a version of the deep choice offense that Baylor made famous under disgraced coach Art Bryles. Right? And he said the style of offense typically features a two-back running game, a run-pass option, and huge wide receiver splits to isolate receivers. Typically, one receiver is assigned a deep-choice route in which he could choose to run depending on what the defense does. And so anyway, it basically breaks it down how it doesn't really translate well into the NFL, and it kind of slows down the progression and the way that quarterbacks mature because of the, the, the style of offense, the way that it's really – simplified the game for the quarterback. So I thought that was a really good breakdown that he put out there on The Athletic. So we'll talk to him about his piece, uh, talking about Hendon Hooker and how difficult of a evaluation he is in 2023. It doesn't mean he's not going to be a good quarterback. It just means the evaluation on him is tougher. And I think that's the biggest key. You know, I don't think any of this is a bad a knock on him. I mean, he can't, he can't help the offense he played in, right? But it's just it's harder to determine is he going to be a really good player in the NFL or is he going to be a player in the NFL, right? Just another guy. Something that's going to be interesting for me to ask Ted about is not so much why don't the coaches try to fit their scheme around the player, but how hard is it to translate some of those, like you said, basketball on grass right, you right. Know, properties to the NFL game? What makes it so difficult to be well, like, ah, we can do it a little bit, yeah. maybe not the entire offense, you know, make it a, a college offense to the I NFL. I can answer a little bit of that yeah. question, and the reason why it's so difficult is because the talent on the NFL level is so much higher than in college, right? I mean, you can literally say, like, Demond, the ball's coming to you on this play. I could tell you that the ball's coming to you on this play, so... The point is, like, Jared over here doesn't have to even run the route because he knows, okay, DeMond's getting the ball. And you're so much better than the guy stopping you or trying to stop you that I can get the ball to you, right? <laughs> I mean, you're spread out so far, and you know, oh, I'm going to beat this guy off the line, and it's not a problem. Yeah, and he does have two receivers that are probably going in the top 100 right. of the draft this year, yeah. Exactly. And even if you, you know, and he didn't turn the ball over, talking about uh, Head and Hooker, he didn't turn the ball over very much. I mean, five times in two years, obviously, it's very minimal. That's fantastic. There's NFL guys that turned the ball over five times in a game, right? I mean, he did it in two, two seasons, so that's fantastic. But there was one interception that Keely Ringo from Georgia had where it was just basically it was me lining up against you, and I'm the guy that's supposed to get the ball, and you're trying to stop me. And instead of, well, Q's covered, hell, I'm just going to throw it to him anyway. He threw it to him, and you came down with the play. You came down with it. Keely Ringo came down with the interception because, well, he was covered well. And instead of, okay, I'm just going to read the field and I'm going to go to my other receivers, I'm going to go through my progressions, 
Nope, it's supposed to go to Q. I'm going to Q. And guess what? You're like, yeah, dummy, I got it. <laughs> Cookies, right? I mean, yeah, the other team watches film too. And then when you say like at the defense at the NFL level, Georgia was the closest thing that he would have saw. And we Boom. saw what happened to him in that game. Right. And then, I mean, he had a hell of a shootout with Alabama, did a fantastic job, helped him win that game, helped him be the only Tennessee quarterback to beat Florida in a very long time. Even Peyton Manning wasn't able to do that. So don't want to have any knocks on him. It's just you can see that offense and say, yeah, but – because you just don't know. So we'll talk to Ted, all things Hendon Hooker, coming up at 3.30. Then at 4 o'clock, what we've been doing each and every day is we've been kind of having a shift of our direction, and we've been talking about NBA playoffs on Monday. We talked a little uh, L.A. Lakers as we saw them advance, and they're in the playoffs officially. And I don't know how the T-Wolves blew that game last night, right? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not rooting against them, but I'll tell you right now, I don't know how the hell the Lakers pulled that game off. I really don't. It, was, it just blew my mind the way that the Timberwolves were up by, like, what, 13, 14 points at one point, and all of a sudden I'm looking up, it's in overtime, and the Lakers, uh, the Lakers are pulling it out, and now they're advancing. So there's that. How was it? Uh, I'll be honest, I did not watch the game last yeah, night. Yeah, because you and Jared were out yeah. hockeying it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, doing that hockey. So yeah. how, how was it even that close when you have Jaden McDaniels, a 3 and D guy out, that's, you know, a great right, guy, right. and then the starting center, Rudy Gobert, was it the more? Lakers didn't look that good? Honestly, okay. they didn't look that good. The Timberwolves, and then the Timberwolves were good for a while, and then they just went on some stretch where they they decided they didn't want to score. They went like six or seven minutes without a bucket, and I kept watching the game. Like, what are you? What are you doing? Right? I mean, they looked like they had more energy than the Lakers. You know, they let uh, they let Anthony Davis like swell up on them and act like he was you know some guy that's not predominantly injured quite a bit. I mean, it just it was weird to me. It was it was a game that the Timberwolves let get away. Uh, I got to give the Lakers credit for winning it, but it wasn't one of those impressive performances. It, it really wasn't. So they're on to the playoffs. Actually, they're going to be uh, taking on your Memphis Grizzlies, so there's that. And I'll tell you right now, if the Grizzlies play with any kind of energy, like the whole game, they just run, I think that there's no doubt that they win the series, right? I just don't see the Lakers having that kind of energy and, and LeBron being able to save them every single game like he pretty much does. Well, I won't argue with you there. If you're saying <laughs> the Lakers are cooked. I'm not saying they're cooked. I just, I just, I didn't, I didn't see a lot from them in a, in a play-in game where you know you you know you got to win to to advance. And to their credit, I mean, if they had lost, they would have had to play on Friday, and then they would have been on the brinks of of really being out of there. And I don't think their legs could have held up uh, for another game on Friday because I mean they had to go to overtime with the Timberwolves. So uh, we've been turning our attention to, to the NBA and the playoffs every uh, every day at four o'clock. So we're going to do that today. Nick Cattles, Sacktown Sports. We had Bonte Hill on yesterday talking about the Warriors and the Kings. This time we're going to talk about the Kings and the Warriors with Nick Cattles. He'll talk to us from a Sacramento Kings point of view. And I can only imagine how popping the city of Sacramento is. I'm telling you, I know I've said it a couple times that I'm thinking about getting in the car and riding out to Sacramento and checking out this game on Saturday. I really am thinking about it. All right, if I can get in the barbershop early, I can get a, done with my ESPN radio show early. I might just I might get in the in the car ride on out, or maybe try to find a cheap cheap flight and just fly out there and see what's up. But you know, that's I guarantee you that city is popping, man. I, I like how it. that's a big factor though. If I can get if I can get my haircut on time, oh as no, well. I got to I got to do that. That's that that's a must, man. I I ain't missing haircut day just to go up to Sacramento watch a basketball game. There ain't no way. Ain't no Wha- way. What? No, there's no way. That's a way better experience. No, it's not. I got to get my haircut, dude. Serious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, man. I'm coming back from the draft early on Saturday morning just so I can get my hair cut. So I'm be at the draft from the 25th to the 29th. On the 29th, I'm back in town by 7:30 a.m. You know why? What? The barbershop's open at eight. You can, how you how you even getting in that early from a flight? What flight is leaving that early? The one at six. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you serious? I'll tell you which one. The one at six. The haircut's important, brother. 
<laughs> I had to go last week. I got to the barbershop late because I had an ESPN radio show that I did early. Uh, I, I logged on at what time? I think I signed on at 11 in the morning. So there was no way I was going to get to the barbershop and get back to the house to be able to do the show. So I said, all right, I'll, do, I'll get the haircut later on. So I strolled in the barbershop, rolled over to end the cut at uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And everyone looked at me like, what the hell's Q doing here at 2? Right? That's, this is foreign territory for, for my boy, right? I, he always gets in at 9 a.m. So I had to switch up the time. But please believe when I come back from the draft, brother, oh, yeah, as soon as I get off the plane, I might not even go home. I might, not, I might just go straight from the plane to the car to the shop and then go home. Honey, I'm home. Well, I mean, getting in that early, you might as well. Man, that's, that's ridiculous. It's not. I got priorities. That's a big priority. You're damn right. <laughs> you, look, I ain't got much left, brother. There ain't, too, <laughs> there ain't a whole lot of things I got to hold on to, but I still got the waves to hold on to, so I'm going to do it. So I'm going to do it as long as I can. And then when, when uh, it's time to come on home, there won't be any LeBron. There won't be any uh, Kevin Durant-type look. It's just come on home, right? <laughs> you're going to make a statement. You're going to give a speech. You're going to let everybody know. No, I'm just, time. No, I'm just I'll show up to work one day, and I'll be bald-headed, and you'll understand <laughs> what happened. There will never be a time when you're like, damn, Q, you probably need to go on and get rid of that. There won't. When I see it, when I see it start to leak, then it's leaking and it's done. I get it. There was a dude in uh, Green Valley last night, man. He looked like uh, George Jefferson, man. He had a lot on the side and nothing <laughs> in the middle. It was all bad. I was like, man, you know he need to go home. Literally. But that's that. So that's coming up. <laughs> for the draft. The haircut's important, dude. I'm sorry. So Nick Cattles will join the show at 4 o'clock. We'll talk all things Kings. And also he does a Patriots podcast. So I'll get his thoughts on uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and what they have an opportunity to do this uh, this offseason and upcoming in the draft to turn the Raiders roster around. Then at 4.30, I mentioned that you and Jared went out to VGK and checked out that game against uh, uh, Seattle last night as VGK took it. And, of course, they're uh, one game left they have in the regular season. Then it's playoff times. We're actually going to have uh, Vegas Golden Knight playoff tickets to give out. Excited about that. But you guys had a good time as fans. You guys had your jerseys on. You're taking pictures with everybody. You guys did a hell of a job with that. Well, our very own Lindsey Brown had an opportunity to catch up with ESPN's Linda Cohn to talk all things VGK and the playoffs and all that. Really good conversation. It's going to be on the press box tomorrow morning on ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. It's like 22 minutes long. Great conversation. And it's the way that conversations and interviews should be done. It's really like two homies sitting down talking, right? So she had an opportunity to catch up. So we'll find out about your experience and uh, Jared's experience at the VGK game last night at, at around 4.30. We'll do that. And then we'll also hear just a snippet of what Linda Cohn had to say with Lindsay just talking about VGK and the playoffs. But I heard the whole conversation Really good stuff. So uh, if you get an opportunity to make sure you tune into that, uh, about 22 minutes on uh, the press box tomorrow, ESPN's Linda Cohn and also our Lindsey Brown. So a loaded show we have. Emery Hunt coming up at 2.30, Tristan Kuhn at 3, Ted Wynn at 3.30, Nick Cattles at 4, and uh, you'll hear a snippet of Linda Cohn and Lindsey Brown at 4.30. So that's what we got for you lined up on the show. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So there's so many different scenarios that could take place. I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, I feel like that the Raiders are going to double dip in round one. And again, I don't know why I feel that way. It's just my gut feeling, so I thought I'd just roll with it. I kind of look at the top six picks in this upcoming draft to shake out something like this. Carolina, C.J. Stroud, Houston, Bryce Young. The Colts, I'm going to say, are going to trade up to number three. I think that the Titans are players there, but I think that they're going to, I think the Colts are going to end up moving up one spot to number three with the Cardinals and getting Will Levis. And, and I feel like the Colts will end up getting that only because 
the Cardinals don't want to trade too far down, right? They don't want to go all the way down to 11. So I think that the Colts will go up to three and get Will Levis. The Cardinals will get uh, uh, Anderson. Uh, yeah, they'll get they'll get Anderson, and then uh, Seattle will go and get – what did I say? Oh, Wilson. There you go. Tyree Wilson. And then the Lions will get uh, one of the two, either Gonzalez or Witherspoon. So I, I think that that's kind of how it goes, even though there's a couple different combinations. You could throw Jalen Carter in there with Seattle. You could throw Anthony Richardson out there. But for the sake of this, we're just going to roll like this. So uh, the question I have, Jalen Carter, Hendon Hooker, if the Raiders double dip in round one. This, this, this is, we're going to go with the theme that I said, that they double dip in round one. If they double dip in round one, and they go, and the options are Jalen Carter, Hendon Hooker, top cornerback, Hendon Hooker, or Tyree Wilson, Hendon Hooker. Who would you prefer if the Raiders double dipped into round one? Or if they just got those guys with their first two selections? Because maybe Hendon Hooker drops to round two. I don't think he does, but maybe he does. For the sake of the argument, we'll just say those are the first two picks. Which ones would you prefer? Jalen Carter and Hendon Hooker, a top cornerback and Hendon Hooker, or Tyree Wilson and Hendon Hooker? Any way you look at it, Hendon Hooker is the quarterback that they come away with. For me, I'm going Jalen Carter and Hendon Hooker. Okay. I think uh, Jalen Carter falls to number seven, and I know it's only the seventh pick. It's, it's not that far. It's not that far of a fall. But for me, him, and then if they trade back, but I do think that he'll be there in the second round. Hendon Hooker, okay. quarterback. That's the combo. We're like that's that's, that's the, the com- that's what player. I'm looking for. I'm looking for the combo. What combo are you more confident in that will help the Raiders in the long term? Like I said, Jalen Carter, you pick Jalen Carter and Hendon Hooker. There's also the top cornerback in Hendon Hooker or Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher out of Texas Tech and Hendon Hooker. Those are the three options. So we'll let you go ahead and sit on that for a minute. You can hit us up and give us your thoughts, 69187, keyword R&R, and, of course, 702-365-9200. We had Nikki Lottarulo on the show yesterday, and I was talking about that show on ESPN with the Mannings on the clock. So uh, my, my guy, Hardcore Raider, because uh, he's a Hendon Hooker guy, and that's his guy, and I'm not mad at that at all, actually hit me up last night and was like, hey, Q, I'm listening to and I'm watching this on the clock right now, and I see where – Peyton Manning is talking about Hendon Hooker. Is there any way that you could take what Peyton Manning is saying and bring it to the show tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, that's no problem. That's easy. So I wanted to pass this along. First of all, here's Peyton Manning talking about Hendon Hooker and what stands out to him the most. Let's take a look at Hendon Hooker. Yeah, I went to three games that Hendon played this year, and the one thing that jumps out at me is his eyes. He uses his eyes well. He moves defenders, right? I think he gets that part. You know, the, the biggest mistake guys make is they just lock in and stare at a guy. So I think he knows he wants this backside, but he's using his eyes to start to the left. And a quick strike for the volunteers. You better be able to look guys off in the NFL. So there you go. There's Peyton Manning talking about Hendon Hooker, and he points out his eyes. DeMond, he says he, he doesn't lock in on receivers. He's not staring guys down. He's looking guys off, and that's a trait that you have to have to make it in the NFL. Of course, Emory Hunt will join us at 2.30, and we'll ask him about looking players off and looking, uh, you know, the defenders off as Hendon Hooker is trying to make, you know, make uh, completions. But uh, what are your thoughts on Peyton Manning saying about uh, and pointing out Hendon Hooker's eyes? I think that that's a very important factor, especially when one of the knocks on him is the offense that he's, that he's right. coming from. So if he does have that NFL that ability to look guys off, maybe that is showing that he's a little bit, bit more further along as a quarterback than some of his skeptics believe. No, that's. I mean, that's a good. It's a good point. And then the final soundbite I want you to hear, and then we'll go out to you at seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. And of course, our dontbebroke dot com text line is six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Still on the show on the clock with the Mannings. Again, I encourage you to go check the, that show out. 
if you haven't seen it, it's really good. They did one on Bryce Young already, and then they did one on Hendon Hooker just the other night. And, of course, they'll go through the rest of the quarterbacks as well before the draft process uh, comes to an end. But uh, this is just coming off the ACL. So you'll hear Eli and you'll hear Peyton talking about him coming off the ACL surgery. Hey, what do you think? Obviously, he's coming off a, an ACL injury. How does that affect things? Yeah, that was hard to watch. I think him then probably does go on, you know, win the Heisman Trophy, if not for that injury. You know, I think the ACL, I'm not saying it's not a big deal, right? It's, it's especially, I'm sure Hendon feels like it's a very big deal, but they can fix those so much faster yeah. and, and, and better than they used to. So Tom Brady had an ACL, Joe Burrow had an ACL, so you definitely can come back for it. I think you can actually come back even sooner. So, and I agree with them 100%. I think that the ACL is a minor setback, and I don't even think it's a major comeback, right? I mean, it used to be at one point, ACL is like, oh, man, you got to get this taken care of quick, fast, in a hurry, or else, you know, your career might be done. It's not that. It's not even close to that. As, as you heard Peyton mention, plenty of quarterbacks have come back. Plenty of players have come back from torn ACLs. It's really something that's so much more common than it was even, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So uh, I, I don't really have too much concern about the ACL. I see that he's already working out. He's, you know, he's coming back. He's rehabbing all the time. I mean, it's all about putting in the work. And, and Hendon Hooker, that's the one thing about him. He's putting in the work to come back sooner rather than later. So, again, the age doesn't bother me when it comes to Hendon. And the ACL, coming off the, the ACL surgery doesn't bother me. The one thing about that is that he most likely won't be playing. He'll probably be redshirted this year, which is fine. Just give him a l- little bit of opportunity to get his confidence back, make sure he's at full strength when he does return. The one thing you don't want him to do coming off the ACL is rush back. So uh, a couple little sound bites that I wanted you to hear from uh, On the Clock with uh, the Mannings. Really good stuff you can check out on ESPN. So getting back to the question, it will go out to the phone lines. If it's Jalen Carter and Hendon Hooker, a top quarterback in Hendon Hooker, or Tyree Wilson and Hendon Hooker, what direction are you going? And I guess you could throw in D. It could be other, maybe none of the above, <laughs> right? If 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 you don't, if you're just hell bent on none of the above, I guess you could throw that in there. But you know, again, for the sake of this argument, kind of the first two picks involve Hendon Hooker and one of those other players. What are you doing? 702-365-9200. Let's go out to Portland and talk to our good friend Robert. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? To, uh, since 13, the Raiders have drafted Hayden, Joseph, and Arnett, and they all are secondary guys, and they all have one thing in common. Every one of them. They weren't good. <laughs> so, I don't want, I don't want, I do not want, because New England hasn't made a pick other than 15 in the last, since 13, believe it or not. So, McDaniels has not seen high picks since he was with. So this is a big deal with Ziegler. But this is the first time these guys have ever had a top pick, you know, in the top ten. Because they never had it when they were with New England. Secondly, I I like Carter. You know that. I I still say Seattle's going to take him. But if he drops, I agree with you you guys. I, I think Carter should be going. And I don't like Hooker because of his injury. He's 25. I like McKee better. But I already know. They're not going to take McKee because uh, I think McKee is going to go higher. Uh, okay. he's, rated, he's rated better than Hooker, but it's, I would say Carter and Hooker to answer your question. Okay, but you got you got to look at the history of the Raiders and how they draft, and they have uh, gotten five right in the, since they've been in the, you know since thirteen five right if you look at it, and six wrong with one guy you know Farrell right it wasn't wasn't a bust so they're almost. 
50-50. This can't be a 50-50 proposition. So if you're going to go and trade to get into the top, you know, into the first round, you better make it a damn good pick. But New England was good at making uh, late-round picks, you know, in the first round. So I got confidence Ziggler will get that one right. All right. Th- thank you for the call. And that's why I'm not worried about the history of the Raiders. I-, I can go back to the history of the Raiders going back years on top of years on top of years. I'm not worried about it because these guys aren't part of the history of the Raiders. All- only thing that they got under their belt is last season. That's it. So that's why I'm- when you talk about all those DBs that they drafted, guess what they didn't do? This staff didn't draft any of those guys. And I thought they were going to draft a couple DBs last year. And you know what they drafted? None. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not basing it off the history of the Raiders. This is a new staff. They have their own new philosophies, like you mentioned. So we'll start to get to learn that. I don't, I don't base Damon Arnett, Carl Joseph, Garyon Conley. I don't base any of those guys off of these dudes because they had nothing to do with them. So I will never hold that against them. But I do appreciate the feedback, no doubt about it. Hit us up at 69187, keyword r That's our don'tbebroke.com text line. We do have a guest coming up next. It's Emory Hunt, football game plan, CBS Sports. We'll ask him about Tanner McKee and ask him where he thinks he's going to go. That's how we start things off. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for that call. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Looking at our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r and got plenty of feedback. Question I threw out there. First two picks I'm looking at when it comes to the silver and black. I threw it out there. Jalen Carter, Hendon Hooker, top cornerback, Hendon Hooker, or Tyree Wilson and Hendon Hooker, or maybe even other. What would you do? And by no means did I say take Hendon Hooker at number seven, as one of our texters said. If they took Hooker at seven, there will be Cleve Farrell looks on fans' faces at the draft. I'm not suggesting that they take him at seven. I'm saying with their second pick. Either they dip that back into the end of round one or if he drops into round two. That's, that's the suggestion that I'm talking about. That's where we're coming from. Nobody is saying head and hooker at number seven. But you can keep that feedback coming in at 69187, keyword R&R. Speaking of the NFL draft, join us now on the phone lines, our good friend Emery Hunt, football game plan, CBS Sports, does a fantastic job. Emery, thanks so much for your time again. It's great to catch up with you. And wanted to ask you about... Uh, Tanner McKee from Stanford, the quarterback from uh, Stanford. Uh, he's he's got a lot of uh, feedback, and a lot of people have been talking about him. What are your thoughts on Tanner McKee? Did we lose him? <laughs> I did all that, and you and you didn't tell me before. I thought you saw the hand signal. I thought you were on the phone. And, okay, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, I did all that for nothing. <laughs> Apparently we lost uh, we lost Emory, and we'll we'll catch up with him in just a second. Uh. Let's see. Uh, someone said, if it, it is the Raiders, we took a kicker at number 17, LOL. That's funny. That's true. Uh, another text said, Peter Schregs from Good Morning Football says, look for Nolan Smith in the top eight. That's because Mel Kuyper put, uh, he put um, uh, Nolan Smith number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. He put him there uh, in his latest mock draft. So that's where Peter Schrager is coming up with that. Now, joining us on the phone line, second time around, we'll try it again. Emery Hunt, football game plan, CBS Sports. Emery, thanks so much for your time. It's great to catch up with you again. And we had someone call in a little while ago, Robert in Portland, and say he would take, uh, he would take Tanner McKee from Stanford over Hendon Hooker. What are your thoughts on those two quarterbacks? <laughs> Uh, well, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I'm taking 
hindered Hooker 10 times out of 10. I do like the way Hooker plays uh, the position. He reminds me a lot of Geno Smith in that regard and how he's able to touch every level of the field with his arm very accurately, very decisive. The offense is the offense, but you look at how guys operate within the offense, and he was operating flawlessly uh, in that Tennessee offense. And if you go back and watch him at Virginia Tech, he played well at Virginia Tech, and there was a big thing of why was Burmeister getting reps at quarterback over Hooker, and then Burmeister ended up making a move to wide receiver, and he's a prospect in his class who is doing very well. So Hooker, to me, has been solid at two different FBS programs, and uh, you got to give credit to McKee for doing what he did out there at Stanford, but, you know, Hooker is a guy over those two. You know, there's been a lot of people talk about Hennon Hooker as their, their uh, number three quarterback, right? After Stroud and Young, then it's Hooker, and then somewhere you have Richardson and Levis following them. Do you have it like that, or is, is he in, in, a different, in a different category? Hooker is my QB5. Okay. Um, and so for me, it's Richardson, Young, and Stroud. Then I'm a big fan of Todd Centeno out of James Madison. Ooh. Then I have also Jaron Hall. And so Hooker, Hooker actually will be my QB6. Okay, there you go. QB6, according to Emory Hunt, and we're here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I like that. And let's talk about some under-the-radar guys, some guys that we're not necessarily talking about. And we'll stick with the quarterback theme. How about a guy that's right here in our backyard, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, went to UCLA. He's a Las Vegas alum or a Las Vegas native. Uh, What are your thoughts on DTR? Can he translate his game to the next level? I believe so. I compared his game to Josh Johnson. And when you think about someone like that, he has that wiry frame, a very – be like athleticism to where he's, you know, you really can't get a good hit on him if you're a defender, but he uses that to extend plays, and sometimes we see him break down the field and, and get down the field for a 50-plus yard run. He had one earlier in the season against Bowling Green. He also look at what he does throwing the football. I feel like this is someone that just doesn't um, shy away from the moment. You know, he, he doesn't let bad plays or you know, bad uh, you know, things that happen in the game affect him long term. We see him time and time again over, overcome those mistakes and, and play through that, that struggle. So that's a, a key attribute that you have to have if you want to be successful at the, at the pro level. So I'm a big fan of a DTR. I like the way he competes. And if you give me someone that's, that can compete and is not afraid, I'll take that guy 10 times out of 10. Not mad at that at all. Emory Hunt, football game plan, CBS Sports is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. To say roughness, DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, I've got to ask because I've seen recently that B. John Robinson isn't your top-ranked running back in this Ooh. draft class. So just how loaded is this running back class? This running back class is very loaded. I compared it to the 2017 class. And folks always do this, right? They always say, oh, B. John, not your number one. You must hate B. John. No, number two. <laughs> <laughs> because I have Demir Gibbs at number one. Okay. And if you if you ask me, I'm taking either one of those guys in the first round. So, and, and when I did my, in all seriousness, when I did my uh, running back comparison over the course of the last four years, so from 2022 now, Bijan ranks third behind Demir Gibbs and DeAndre Swift. So he, I still have a higher grade on Bijan Robinson. I just like the fact that uh, Jameer Gibbs does everything Bijan does. Just faster and more explosive and this is something that i'm always curious about because you said you would take either one of them in the first round so what's that disconnect with teams where you got to have that production it's always hey you need skill players but teams don't want to take uh let's not say guarantee but a good skill player at like a running back in the first round it's weird because you find people saying uh, talking both out of both sides of their mouth they'll say hey well you don't want to pay running backs a second contract 
Um, they're only good when they come out of college. And, okay, well, would that even hammer home the point you take the great ones in the first round? You know, so that way you get that fifth year, and then you decide if you want to pay them or go back in round one and take another running back. So I just feel like people just say stuff, just say stuff they like to sound smart without <laughs> actually thinking about things. There's a difference between Reggie Bush and Lindell White. You take Reggie Bush in the first round, yes, you can get good production out of Lindell White, but you're not taking him top five or in the first round. You take the Reggie Bush. Why? Because he can score from anywhere on the field and can do a multitude of things. That's the difference between a Saquon Barkley and someone like myself. You know, you can find <laughs> me on the street walking everywhere you turn, but Saquons are rare. Bijans are rare and Jameer Gibbs are rare. You take the guys that are legit game breakers early and you can get productive guys everywhere else. You do that with every other position. And if you're Pete Carroll, you leave Reggie Bush on the field instead of taking him off and putting Lindell Wade on the field. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there, Emory. I'm just throwing that out there. It's still kind of a sore spot that uh, Pete Carroll went away from Reggie Bush when it mattered the most. But <laughs> uh, how about some more under-the-radar players? Rajon Wright, uh, the pride of, uh, of of the Bay Area, Oakland, California. He was on Last Chance U. He's in Oregon State. His brother's in the league already, uh, Dallas with the Cowboys. He's long, he's lanky, but he has ball skills. What are your thoughts on Rajon Wright? If you told me all of those attributes, long, lanky ball skills, I'm signing up for that sight unseen because that's exactly what you need at that position. And it's funny because when you're watching him, you see a lot of what his brother was able to do at Oregon State. And quite honestly, I love the fact that Oregon State is starting to get on the, on my radar as one of those sight unseen universities for defensive back prospects. There's a safety out there, too, that's really good that's in this draft class. And so when you get that length and you get that athleticism, you get someone that's not afraid to challenge at the highest point, those are the type of defensive backs that you want because a lot of guys get scared when the ball is coming their way or in the air. He doesn't at all. He rises to the occasion. He's able to meet the challenge and make the play. So I'm a big fan of what he brings to the table. What about Clark Phillips III, uh, the defensive back out of Utah? I actually had someone just text in and ask about him. Well, you know, my slogan, and this is going to be on my epitaph, is size is not a skill. So I don't care how big you are. I don't care how you know small you are. Can you play? It, we're, we're talking about playing football here, and he is someone that just finds the ball. So, you know, if you ask me, this is someone that obviously has been playing his size his whole life, so he knows how to play above the, you know, above his listed height and weight, and he has a knack for finding the football. And to me, those type of players are worth their weight in gold because a lot of times you see uh, defensive backs drop an interception, and then the next play or a few plays later, it's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to find guys that can turn the ball over, and he has found the football way more often than not. Emory Hunt is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Necessary roughness. Go ahead, Demond. I feel like the Raiders on the defensive side of the ball, they need help everywhere. So do you think that, can you name us, give us a little gems of a couple of guys that maybe you think that they could be a, a starter in the NFL day one, but but maybe teams will find them in those mid-rounds? I, I, I hope this guy goes in round one, but because it, their position is just like the running back position in, in people's eyes. But Deion Henley, the linebacker out of Washington State, I just love the fact that this dude – not only, you know, is looking to hit, so that's number one for a linebacker, but he also can get out there and cover and turn the ball over. Um, when I was at the Senior Bowl, it was just impressive to see him match up one-on-one versus backs in a drill that's heavily slanted toward the offensive side of the football. He was winning one-on-one and turning the ball over, so you don't normally see that. Um, so that's someone that I just think that plays a lot like Fred Werner, 
And then when you also look at uh, you come from the same scene, but Darius Rush from South Carolina. Everyone talks about Cam Smith, but Rush is another one that's kind of on that Richard Sherman trajectory where he played wide receiver early in his career at South Carolina, then turned over to the other side of the football, and now has that wide receiver ball skill, instinct, understanding, passing concepts, and he's bringing it over to defense, and he's getting better every year. And he just culminated his career at the Senior Bowl with probably the best performance from a defensive back that I've seen since I've been covering the Senior Bowl. So to me, those two guys may not be first-round picks, but if the Raiders can find a way to get those two, I think they immediately helped them out on defense. And in your draft guide, you've got over a 1,000 players scouted. So who was one of those players that was the most intriguing to you? Maybe not going to be the best, but just from your time studying him, you're like, man, I like this guy. And it's funny you say that because that's how that's what happens when you watch so many players. And, and now you start to see the difference between, you know, okay, the elite guys that we always talk about and guys that you're like, man, this, this dude got something with him. And that's how I felt the whole process about Cephas Johnson III, the quarterback out of southeastern Louisiana, 6'5", 226. You know, he's that cross between Colin Kaepernick and also what we've seen from Cordell Stewart. He is just a tremendous athlete that also played a little bit wide receiver at southeastern Louisiana, but, you know, he was a quarterback primarily uh, that transferred in from South Alabama. And I saw him down at the College Gridiron Showcase. He got better every practice, every passing rep, every throw. You, you looked at him and just said, like, man, this dude, I would rather work with him in a later round than trying to force a quarterback uh, after the top three guys that I listed. You know, you, you want to get someone that you could develop and, and groom within your system that has the athletic upside um, but also has a rocket arm and, and has the ability to show that he can improve with giving more time and more reps. That's the guy that really stood out to me um, every, every time I, I turned on the film. I like it. I like it a lot. And, Emery, this has been fantastic. I want to uh, close out with this. You you mentioned your quarterback. And quarterback one, I believe you said Anthony Richardson. So I wanted to close out with Anthony Richardson. What do you see in 13 college games? A lot of people have questions. They see his athletic ability, but have questions about him and his game translating to the next level. What are you seeing that has him as QB1 for you? It's the upside combined with the athleticism, combined with the fact that when this guy was asked to throw the football, uh, when he needed to come back, he was able to answer the call. You go back and watch LSU in 2021. He didn't start that game. They were still doing that Emory, Home, Emory Jones uh, situation where they subbing him, him and uh, you know Anthony Richardson. He goes in. I think his first pass was a pick six, and then after that, it was phenomenal play. He had Florida build up a big lead. The defense gave up that lead, so he got the ball back on the final drive to drive them down for a touchdown, needing that to win. And he got to the 50-yard line, and he was about to the about to throw what was going to be the game-winning touchdown. He got hit as he threw, and it ended up being intercepted. Game is over. But the read was the right read, and had he not gotten hit, it would have been a touchdown. So you even saw last year in a, a game that he didn't even start. They're like, this dude has everything that you look for in a franchise guy. Because I've held this position since July. People thought I was crazy then. Some people <laughs> think I'm crazy now. But I tell you what, when this dude hits the field. He's a plus one in the run game. He's 20 years old, and he's only going to get better. If you tell me his major weakness is experience, well, we can give you that. We can put you on the field and let you play <laughs> and get better. That's not a problem. I heard that. I'm not mad. I'll tell you what. He's a guy that there's a lot of conversation around here about him, especially with his upside, as you mentioned. And, you know, in the AFC West, you got to compete with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. 
Do you have to have that dynamic guy? The Raiders very well easily could get him this upcoming year. Emery, great stuff, fantastic stuff. As a matter of fact, what do you got coming out? Tell us a little about your uh, your draft guide that you got out as well. It's the largest draft guide, and it's the best draft guide out there right now in existence. It's the industry standard, over 1,000 individual scouting reports. It's not a list of 250 guys, and we just list the rest of the 700 players. No, every player in that book has a scouting report. So you're looking at over 1,065 individual pages, all scouting reports. You can find it at footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. I love it. Great stuff as always. Emery, it's great to catch up with you, my man. We'll definitely check out the draft guide, and we appreciate your time this afternoon. Appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. There he goes. Good stuff. Emery Hunt, footballgameplan.com. Check it out. Again, his guide is out right now. Uh, it's got a lot of breakdowns. It is perfect for this time of year. Not only can you learn about a lot of guys leading up to the draft, but after your team, obviously the Raiders, goes and makes all their selections, any guys that you may not be familiar with, you can get caught up with as well. Many thanks to Emery Hunt. You can find him on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. That's at FBallGamePlan on Twitter. Emery Hunt with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. 2.47 is the time. we got a bunch of text to get to as we close out hour number one. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Really threw out the question talking about the first two picks with the silver and black. I happen to think that they're going to both come in the first round. It doesn't mean they will. They can obviously pick in the first round and second round, but I just basically threw it out there. If Hendon Hooker, and we've been focusing a lot on Hendon Hooker today, and I think that that's okay. There's no problem with that. There's a lot of quarterbacks to talk about. If he happens to be part of it, I feel like it's either Jalen Carter and Hendon Hooker, a top quarterback in Hendon Hooker, or Tyree Wilson in Hendon Hooker. Where, what direction would you go? Or maybe you would go other. And there's been some that have hit us up and said other, like Jim from Yonkers. He said Gonzalez, then defensive end. Hooker in the second. Maybe a question for tomorrow. What if Tampa Bay wants to move up to 19 from or from 19 to 7? Devin White just has to be traded. Devin White, pick 19, second round pick, and next year's third. What do you think? Too far down. Thank you for a great show. That's Jim from Yonkers. I'm not big on the Devin White move. I'm not. I'm just really not. I mean, he's got one year left on his deal. He wants to get paid. I don't think giving up draft capital for Devin White, again, basically a one-year rental, makes a whole lot of sense. But uh, definitely appreciate that and think uh, your one-two punches aren't too bad. Your one-two punches are pretty good. But let's go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Juan the Smasher, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Uh, Juan the Smasher is no longer with us. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? (laughs) On the call. How are we doing this? How are we doing this? We hang up on Emery. We've hung up on Juan. No, Juan hung up on us. Oh, he did? This was on the fly. Okay. All right. So uh, who we got? Raider George? Is that up next? Raider Greg. Okay. How about Raider Greg? Let's try Raider Greg. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Q. Appreciate it, brother. Love the show. Appreciate you. I, I, me personally, I would go with I like the Jalen Carter and and uh, Hendon Hooker. I think you know the best our best player obviously on defense is Mad Max, and you got to maximize him. And I think especially with this last year, they were able to double him and not a lot because nobody can block Mad Max one on one. So I think putting Jalen Carter there, how dominant he is, you just turn on the tape. I mean, you put that pressure up the middle, that really makes the quarterback nervous. And if they take a, a eye off of Mad Max for one moment, it's going to be a problem. So. I think you put him there, and I think what's really key, not only just his tape, but also on top of that is having Chandler Jones and Mad Max there, you know, when it talks about the character thing, mm-hmm. there's no be- two best guys that you can have that can tell you about, you know, beating temptation, you know, being a pro. These are the type of guys. So I think having them is what really sells me on Jalen Carter. If we didn't have those two, I might say differently, but having those two in there I think is, is a huge 
um, would, would put Jalen Carter there perfect. And secondly, I, I, I'm in Sacramento, my brother, so if you come out here, let me know. I stay 10 minutes away from the stadium, man. We take care of you, man. I got about 70 of my family members live out here, so we take care of you, brother. Nice. I like it. I like it. Thank you for the call, Raider Greg. I appreciate you. Appreciate the hospitality. And I'll tell you what, man, it's going to be bananas in Sacramento. It is going to be on and popping. Folks are going to be thinking about the days where Sacramento was battling with the Lakers back and forth in the NBA playoffs, and now they're going up against the Warriors, the defending NBA champs. That is going to be a lot of fun. And I'll tell you what, when it comes to Jalen Carter, I do think Max Crosby and Chandler Jones play a major role in the conversation when it comes to him, and he is in town visiting with the Raiders today. Let's close out the hour with Hardcore Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Thank you. Uh, Hey, thanks uh, a lot for playing that clip, you know. Uh, You know, I do think that's a huge uh, talent that Hinton Hooker has, like, you know, uh, misdirecting defenses with his eyes. I mean, we all know we used to have a quarterback um, that sometimes wasn't successful, and I think that was a large part of it when, you know, you'd have teams like the Honey Badger just looking at, uh, you know, Derek Carr's eyes. So uh, I would love to get a quarterback that would uh, have that skill set. And if you think about it, like, you know, if we if we got Hinton Hooker, um, it's not like he has to start day one. We have really the perfect right, setup scenario. <laughs> scenario. Right. The other quarter, the other quarterbacks, it's going to be a lot of pressure to start day one. But with the injury and, and other stuff, we got uh, Hoyer and you know uh, Garoppolo. So you know Hooker can just sit there and be a sponge and absorb. And you know me, I love Hen and Hooker. So I, if I could draft that dude twice, you know I, I would. Maybe not at <laughs> seven, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I, I do like Jalen Carter, um, but you know. I'd probably go cornerback, uh, quarterback, you know. I, I'd go Hinton Hooker, maybe Gonzalez, or one of the other cornerbacks. If I don't care where we get Hooker, like, I just want to get this guy. I know, like, you know, all these analysts, like, something real quick, something you said yesterday, we were the main topic about, like, how there's a lot of busts, essentially, in the draft, and some of the, a lot of the top guys don't work out. I mean, it, it really goes to show that, and there's a lot of reasons for this, but it does go to show that a lot of the an- analysts are actually wrong. If we were to go back, Years past for for draft two three years ago five years ago, guys like Johnny Manziel, where is he now? And, and all the draft analysts were saying that was the best quarterback. So my point is like maybe it's a coin flip, maybe it's the situation because those teams aren't very good. But at the same time, I'm just saying some of these guys that have him and Hooker at, at five or six on their board, it doesn't mean they're right because they've been wrong for a lot of years on guys that they completely missed on, like a Max Crosby. So that's all I'm going to say. So. Guys that are wary about Hinton Hooker, give it three years. He'll be the best quarterback out of this draft. Three gotcha. years from now, if he if he comes for the Raiders and we have Devontae Adams still, he will be the best quarterback coming out of this draft. All right, gotcha. Good stuff, man. Appreciate you. And that's the thing about it, man. It's all it's all a crapshoot, as I mentioned yesterday. None of us know. I'm not going to try to blow smoke up your backside and tell you that I know for a fact. Even when I was pounding the table for Jalen Hurts, it was just my best thoughts. It wasn't guaranteed. I wasn't the guy saying I guarantee he's going to be great because I didn't know. It's up to him to put in the work, just like it's up to Hendon Hooker to put in the work or anyone else to put in the work and learn the game. And the team has a lot to do with it, the development. Are they going to have chaos when it comes to the quarterback position or the coaching staff? Are they going to turn over? There's a lot of elements that go into play. Uh, real quick, I don't know if it was during the break or during the show. You said that someone asked, "Hey, what did Emory say he had Will Levis?" Oh yeah, outside of top six, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely got him outside of top six. I questioned him like just to make sure. Yeah, you know he hasn't texted me back, but he said QB eighteen. Wow. And I'm like, what? Wow, it's been really quiet on the Will Levis front. Remember, it was hot, man. We had Raider Nation. Some of Raider Nation was hot at us. And I said, and I want to make sure, I want to make sure I'm right before I say it on there. You got him in eighteenth, right? He said, "Yep." 
There it is. 18th for Emery Hunt talking about Will Levis. 2.57 is the time. Great stuff. Great way to reach out to uh, Emery. Just a clarification as well. Tristan Kuhn, NFL Draft Analyst for TWSN. That's the Right Way Sports Network. He'll join us next, kicking off hour number two. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.